RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Not to be construed as medical. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to a very special episode of Red Pill News. Live coverage of the We the People versus Google trial taking place right now in California. Don't exactly know what time it's going to start, but it is going to be happening here in just a minute. So we're going to go over some stuff until the actual case itself begins. Going to let everybody get here into the chat. But in the meantime, do me a favor, sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn, because we're going to be right back after this, as we wait for the trial to begin. All right, guys, welcome. We have a bit of an impromptu stream taking place. Uh, The case of the people versus Google. That would be us. We were deleted, a bunch of us, on October 15th, 2020, right before the election began. And, of course, uh, it's our assertion that the reason we were deleted was because we were a direct threat to the mainstream narrative. That narrative being that, of course, Joe Biden was a president who could be elected. Uh, We also had a number of other things we spoke about that have all proven to be true. The Hunter Biden laptop. It was not Russian disinformation. It was objective fact. It was real. The quid pro quo relationship between Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, his company, and a number of other countries throughout the world, that was all true. None of it was conspiracy. None of it was subversion. None of it was Russian disinformation. And so now our case has gone through the first uh, set of courts, and now it's before the U.S. Court of Appeals. Uh, Our team is going to be delivering their arguments. And here we go. The United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit is now in session. Happy to see some of you here in person. I see some, some folks on video as well. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Ninth Circuit. We're happy to see some of you here in person, and we see some, some folks on video as well. Judge Hurwitz and I would like to extend a special welcome to Judge Vitaliano, who is sitting with us by designation from the Eastern District of New York. We are delighted to have you with us, and thank you for helping us with our caseload. Delighted to be here. All right. We will hear the cases in the order that they appear on the calendar. And first up is Dwight Banks versus Wambo Enterprises. Uh, and it looks like both counsel are ready to go on Zoom. So whenever you're ready, we'll be. Okay, so this first case that's coming up is not our case. This is obviously somebody else's. So we are going to be one of a number of additional cases that are uh, taking place today, apparently. So while that's happening, while they are presenting their arguments, 
Uh, then uh, why don't we go ahead and talk about some of the other things that have gone on over the weekend? Because, of course, it was a busy, busy time. Now, I hope you guys had a chance to check out the interview I did with Fritz Springmeyer on Saturday. Also, my friend Paul from Absolute Truth, Absolute Conviction, 1776 on uh, Friday. That was a, a great, entertaining time. Um, the One of the most shocking stories I saw this morning, guys, is that apparently Kanye West is planning to purchase Parler. Uh, I think that um, he's a little bit behind the eight ball on it. If you saw that interview that he did with Fox News, he had mentioned his admiration for um, <laughs> for Elon Musk. And so this kind of seems to me like he is following in the footsteps of Elon Musk, interested in purchasing a social media platform. Now, the problem I see with him purchasing Parler in particular is because Parler was already censored and taken off of all of the various platforms because they were deemed to have been, uh, I guess, harboring terrorists is the attitude that Apple and Google and all of these tech giants had. But obviously that wasn't true. But as a result of that being taken down and, and losing all that momentum they had, Parler really is dead in the water at this point. So I don't know that it's like the best financial decision for Kanye West to go ahead and do that. Um, real quick, we've only got a couple of people here over on Rumble, but let me go ahead and get the Rumble chat back on screen and uh, that will be able to show for the audience. There we go. All right. And then don't forget, guys, tonight at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, I'm going to be back on Baseless Conspiracies with my co-host, John Harold, a.k.a. Patel Patriot. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the program that we have for you there. I want to say thank you to a boneless chicken who's already kicking off the gold pill jamboree. Says, nice to see you this Monday, Zach. Nice to see you as well. Uh, let me see. Oh, 1,300 people watching on Rumble. Do me a favor, guys. Since we don't have the court case coming up immediately as uh, as soon as the stream starts. Let's do a little bit of interaction over there on Rumble. 1,500 people watching and hardly anybody chatting. It would be great if I could see you guys uh, out there in the chat. Let's have a conversation. I'd like to know if uh, if you guys have anything that you want John and I to be covering on Baseless Conspiracies. And then, of course, the same thing's going to be true for my show with Brad Getz, Altered State on Wednesday nights, and we have uh, tons of stuff coming up for that, too. Um, <laughs> did you guys see that meme that I posted from American Beauty earlier on Telegram? Uh, the joke is that uh, all serial killers wear the same glasses. I'm just going to leave it at that. You guys go ahead and check it out. And uh, that's it. Here, here. Glad to have you here. What time tonight? 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. Um Okay, so Nixter. Nixter is talking about search re engine results. Uh, every single search engine is garbage now. Let me tell you this. Every single search engine is garbage. You can't find anything that you want. I was doing some background for the show that John and I are going to be doing later on tonight, putting together some notes, and uh, I was eventually able to get to what I wanted to find, but it's it's just staggering to me. How much information has been deleted from the internet? You just cannot find the things that you want anymore. Uh, it's it's pretty shocking the fact that they have been so perfect in deleting all the information that you might want to find. And that, to me, right there, sums up the reasoning why this case and uh, the appeal that you're about to hear in just a few minutes, did I ever get my scooter going? Yeah, I got my scooter going. I didn't get one of the scooters going. 
Um, and, uh, you know, to be quite honest with you, it's been a whirlwind year. We've got a lot of work that we've been doing around the house. I'm still doing around the house. I'm in the middle of getting a door built on this room so that I can have a private office. Um, that's going to be the next thing. Then I have some work on the fireplace that I have to do. Done a bunch of work out in the yard, uh, continuing to do that. Uh, but I have one working scooter right now. I have one that's like 90%, but I need to have some work done on it because it's uh, it's beyond me at this point. There's a, It's a much more complicated fare than, you know, 150, well, this is 150C, than a 50cc scooter. Uh, let me see, uh, two, two, two. yes, oh yes, and actually let me bring this up, I shared this on Telegram as well. This is the uh, the schedule for Badlands Media. Okay, so beginning on Mondays at 7 a.m., we have a sports talk show. Uh, there's nothing at 8 a.m. yet, but that will be there. Uh, then at 7.30 p.m., we have the Danchenko trial review with Patrick Gunnels and uh, Just Human. And then, um, I'm sorry, 10.30 p.m. is when Baseless Conspiracy starts. Uh, the music starts a little bit earlier, but people like to show up and hang out in the chat. Uh, 8 a.m. on Tuesdays, we have Trash Talk. And then again, thir- every single day at 7.30 p.m., Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we have the Danchenko trial review. Then Altered State, 9 p.m. on Wednesdays, and then the Devolution Power Hour at 10.30 p.m. Uh, Thursdays, Trash Talk, then Knowledge Based at 7.30 p.m., Sit Rep at 9 p.m., and Rug Pull Radio with my boy G Money at 10.30 p.m. Then we go to Friday, a 7 a.m. Sports Talk again, Danchenko Trial Review at 7.30, and then the Liberty Den at 10.30. Saturdays, we have the Devolution Power Hour at 10.30 as well. Uh, and uh, of course, that schedule is going to get filled out as more people come and uh, and and we load it up with shows. So let me see. Um, yeah, let me take a look. A fireplace in Florida, Zach. Well, you know, I mean, it, it gets cold uh, in the uh, in 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 the wintertime. And, you know, I'd rather we don't have furnaces, you know. So how do you how do you heat the house? Um, you need a fireplace every now and then. The fireplace is here and mostly I just want it to look nice. Um, all the houses have fireplaces here as far as I know. Uh, let me see. Which one is the podcast show with veterans? I don't know if that's on the schedule. Probably sit rep. If I had to guess, I'd say it was sit rep, but make sure that you're following, uh, the Badlands media telegram channel and you'll be able to, um, uh, get all the information there. Uh, glow is in the glow of orange jumpsuits. Uh, uh, let me see. Badlands media, rumble.com forward slash Badlands media. So basically the shows premiere on John's channel and then they get moved over to the, uh, the other channel. Um, let me see here. I'm going to pull up something that I definitely wanted to discuss. Oh, this is okay. So just thinking about the the state of justice here in America. Okay. Our channel's getting deleted just moments, essentially before the election. Uh, we look at the crimes that are committed by politicians, uh, you know, the abuse against children, uh, the open criminality that's rampant in Washington, DC. And then somebody like, Steve Bannon. Somebody like Steve Bannon is looking at potentially six months in prison. This is what the DOJ is recommending for him, uh, which, as far as I'm concerned, is just a travesty of justice. Um, you'd like to connect with Sean Patriots in Progress? Well, I don't. Uh, I would say hit him up on Truth Social. Hit him up on Truth Social. That's probably going to be the easiest way to uh, to speak with him. Um, because I don't have a direct line to him or anything like that. I mean, I see him on Telegram, but uh, but that's it. Um, 
so this whole thing, Steve Bannon, six months in prison, guys, this is about contempt of Congress. I mean, can you think about in your lifetime, like how many times people have been called to testify before Congress and they just didn't show or, you know, maybe they, they showed up and they pled the fifth. Uh, and Steve Bannon might get six months in prison for not showing up to this uh, unselect committee show trial. And uh, it's it's absolutely disgusting to me that the United States government would be doing this. But I mean, you know, what's different about this? Nothing's different. I mean, this is what they continue to do to us every single day. But I want to stress just because we have a criminal and illegitimate government in place doesn't mean that you guys should be given up. There was somebody on Truth Social that had tagged me. They tagged me every time they freaking black pill telling me that my optimism and my cheery disposition is somehow uh, an offense and affront to the people that are watching my show. You guys, I'm just I'm I'm not somebody who's just going to show up and and complain about how things suck and how they're not changing and how I want them to change but they never will like cuz I just don't believe that. Uh I believe that civilization, society, that the these cycles of criminality and justice. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's the pendulum. It swings from the left. It swings to the right. We get criminals and then we get justice that uh, is delivered to the people. There's really no other way that it can possibly happen. Uh, we have too many people here in America who are angry about what's happened, who are aware of what's taken place, and we're not going to sit. We're not going to stand for it. OK, we're not going to allow this to just keep happening. That's just the simple fact of the matter. And if you believe that nothing is going to happen, then I invite you to go ahead and just drop out and uh, and, and, you know, drown your sorrows in alcohol. I think that's a bad decision. I think that uh, the, the country and the movement would be much better served with you trying to think of a way that you can address it yourself, doing what you can to try to uh, to, to stop the pendulum from swinging too far towards injustice. Um, but you're not going to tell me how to deliver information. I mean, I, I want people to remain hopeful because as soon as your hope withers away, as soon as it dies, uh, then so does any opportunity that we have to, to fix the crap that we see in front of us. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, I want this to win. Uh, I want our nation to be made whole. And the only way that's going to happen is if people keep trying. People keep hoping that we're going to see some sort of movement in the right direction. Uh, if uh, if we haven't seen it yet, you know, that's only because we haven't had uh, enough pressure placed on these people to do it. Uh, yeah, I don't think, you know, Jane, let me just be clear. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm making a joke because I think that when people do this, when people like at like three in the morning tag me on Truth Social and they uh, and and they make an angry rant about me and say that, you know, oh, Red Pills says this or Red Pill says I, I'm assuming that these people are wasted. I'm assuming that they have allowed their, uh, you know, the, the their excesses to cloud their vision. And uh, and that's the reason they can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, I don't drink and, and I don't really suggest that anybody drink. I know that plenty of people are going to want to. Plenty of people are going to do whatever they want. Um but uh, in the meantime, you know, you you have the responsibility to be a productive member of society. And if you are drinking, if you are uh, uh, deciding to look through the world uh, with this like poisoned lens, uh, then that's all you're going to see. Uh, you have the power within you to do something to fix the problems we see around us. 
And uh, unless you actually do something about it, well, then, you know, why are you bringing your bullshit to my doorstep? Let's be really honest about it. That's what it feels like at this point. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Quantum financial system, I don't believe is real. And uh, I don't really know what else to say about it. Uh, the people who talk about the quantum financial system uh, have been talking about it for a long time. I don't see any indication that it is a, a real thing. And I, if you're angry at me that I feel that way, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. If you believe in the quantum financial system, that is your God-given American right. Uh, and you have every right to do so. You do as much research about it as you want. And if it is real and it becomes a thing, then I'll be happy to go on the air and say, man, uh, I was wrong about that. But I don't think I'll be wrong about that. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I don't I don't really I'm not on the Nasara Gasara tip either, um, because they've been talking about that since long before anybody had shows on YouTube um, getting you guys to believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, okay, thank you, Mets. No anger, good, I'm glad. You know, and the reason I say it like that is because so many people have a real problem with others who don't agree with them like 100% of the time. All right, we've moved on to the second case. This is, uh, this is not our case, but this is Richard Colonna versus Kiolo Kijikazi? Kijikazi? Yeah. Um, but let me just say this. I, I've noticed this online. I see people, by and large, people in like the research community, we deal in, you know, we're looking for facts, but people are dealing in theories. When something is an idea and it's presented as such and it hasn't been proven, that means it's a theory. But what I see people doing is getting very angry with people who don't subscribe to their theories and calling people shills or making disparaging comments about them. Um, and and, and it, I feel like it's really unproductive. Like, if you believe that something's going to happen and, and, and you want other people to follow that, um, then your theory should stand on its own merits. It shouldn't be necessary to attack other people. And I see people being just very vicious. I feel like I'm a broken record when I talk about this because I see it every single freaking day and people are just dreadful online. Uh, yeah, yeah, good. Thank you for appreciating. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, do your own research and then do your own show. That's it, that's it. You know, people are like, why won't you talk about the quantum financial system? Well, because I've looked into it and I don't think there's any merit to it. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't like you because you believe in the quantum financial system. Uh, I just, I think it's so unproductive. Uh, we could be getting so much done, you know? I mean, like I, I've said so many times, what happened to the America that I grew up in where people could come to the table with different opinions, uh, with uh, different points of view and talk to each other about it and, uh, and, and come to an agreement, even if you agree to disagree. You know, I mean, like, this is America. We're supposed to have different opinions. We're not all supposed to just be on the same page. You know, I mean, like, that's communism. You, you have to agree with everything the government tells you, and you have to have that monolithic manner of thought. And if you don't, then that's when you find yourself at the edge of an open pit getting shot in the back of the head. Um, yeah, You know, it's like when people tell me I'm lying because I said something about space or something. Like, I haven't been to space. Neither of you. So, like, you know, why are you so angry at me if I think that there's space? <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's like I don't want to argue with the left, 
Uh, I'm disgusted by the way that people behave on Twitter and on social media. You know, I just, uh, people are like, ah, I'm going to get you. I'm going to zing you so hard and, and you're going to shrink away and people are not going to listen to you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I, thanks, Mets. I appreciate it, buddy. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no hate. There's no need for us to hate each other. You know, I mean, like, let's be, let's, let, let's find something we can get on the same page about. Like, do we want to see an end to the rampant criminality in Washington, D.C.? Give me a one in the chat if you can give me, if you can agree with me that we want to see an end to the rampant criminality, that we want to see an end to the global criminal cabal that has subverted life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in America. Can we agree on that? And if we can agree on that, then why can't we just get along on the things that we don't necessarily agree with each other on? Uh, let me see. Can I ask John tonight if he can reiterate his belief in Trump returning by midterms? I can't find the stream where he mentioned it. It was very interesting. There we go. See, guys? Exactly. Exactly. We want America restored. And if you think that uh, the 17 SOG stuff, uh, somebody had recently sent it to me. If you believe that 17 SOG is correct, you know, great. Th they want to see America restored. If you believe that devolution is correct, Great. John wants to see America restored. Everybody who subscribes to devolution wants to see America restored. We're all on the same page. And just because we think that we're going to get there in a different manner doesn't mean we can't be friends. You know, it's it's uh, we're shooting each other in the foot because people want to be right. I don't want to be right. I just want to be victorious. OK, I don't care if I am not 100 percent correct 100 percent of the time. Because 90% of the time, guys, we're talking about stuff that hasn't even happened or that we don't have any evidence for. I mean, we are putting the pieces together. We're drawing a picture. It's like we're arguing about what the end result is going to be when you're making part of it and I'm making the other part of it. You know, so uh, I just I, I feel like we can do a lot more together if we can just agree to disagree on some certain things. We don't have to go after each other. Why is our government still pushing the clot shot after it's been proven to be ineffective and causing major side effects? I think that the reason the government is still pushing it is because if they stopped pushing it or they openly admitted that it's caused a bunch of deaths and it's causing, um, you know, massive harm to people, well, then they have a lot to apologize for and they have to backtrack on a whole bunch of propaganda that they pushed on us. This is one of those things. The government is loath to admit that they've been wrong or to admit that they did something or said something uh, that caused harm to the American people. If you look throughout history, you will see that. And uh, they just they don't want to admit it. OK, the government has and, and you know, I see the government it's, and it's like, you know, this large organization. There's a lot of different people in there, but nobody wants that shit to roll downhill onto them. Nobody wants to be the 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 gear in the machine uh, that led to the downfall of something that was a multi-billion dollar industry. Think about how much money is wrapped up in COVID clot shots and in Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca all across the board. These people have made so much money. They stand to make a lot more money. And I bet you they have major stockpiles of these deadly clot shots that if they don't sell them to the government then they're not going to sell them to anybody. So the vaccine manufacturers make the, the drugs, the government buys them, and then the government administers them. So if something happens in between there and the government has to admit that the clot shots are deadly 
And then the vaccine manufacturers have to admit that they are selling a poisonous product and then they can't do that anymore. What happens to all the money and the research and development and the time and effort that they put in to trying to convince the American people? People will lose total confidence in the vaccine manufacturers. I believe they should lose total confidence in the vaccine manufacturers. But then we have to worry about the jobs that are going to be lost as a result of that. We have to worry about the inevitable financial collapse that's going to come as a result of it. In most cases, it takes time to get to that point. Okay, so we're still on Corona versus Cololo. Waiting for that. Uh, Yeah, they won't be able to walk down the street. We have to get to that point. And this is one of the things that holds us back from being able to move forward. People can't admit they're wrong. You have to be able to atone for your sins. You have to look in the mirror and then look out into the eyes of the people that you're speaking to and say, you know what? I effed up, okay? Or our organization effed up. But then what happens? Then they're liable for damages, okay? And of course, people are going to go after them for that money. It's ridiculous. I was talking about this with um, uh, 412 and... uh, uh, and and um, uh, severe and on on Thursday. I'm also uh, on that new show on uh, on Thursdays. Um, taking it back on four twelve productions. I think it was Purdue Pharma. They had to pay like ten billion dollars or something like that. Ten billion dollars. I'm sorry, not ten billion dollars. It was a lot less than that. Uh, J- Alex Jones had to pay a billion dollars. Uh, they only had to pay like six hundred million dollars. And think about the overall cost that the opioid epidemic produced here in America. I mean, we're talking about individual lives destroyed. We're talking about communities ruined. We're talking about families that have been broken up, parents that have died, children that have died. Untold, unparalleled loss of life and destruction to America and to the nation as a whole. And yet they had to pay only half of what Alex Jones is now on the hook for because he said some stuff about, uh, you know, Sandy Hook. It's absolutely ridiculous. And these are the kinds of things that we clearly need to change here in America. You know, and we take a look at what happened with us uh, before the election. We spoke truth. We spoke, you know, the left loves to say, speak truth to power, speak truth to power. Uh, And that's what we did. We stood up and we were courageous enough to speak the truth about what was happening in America. And they destroyed us and everything we had built on their platforms, okay? Uh, Meanwhile, they get to push propaganda every single day. Yeah, Pfizer has had to pay damages. Uh, They have had to pay um, fines to the U.S. government, but then that money just goes right back into the pockets of the politicians. I mean, the the system is corrupt. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. You know, it's uh, it's disgusting and and we we need to overcome them, all right? But it takes... Time, it takes human capital, it takes effort. We need to be the change that we want to see in the world. Thank you to Thick Ray. She said, cheers, Foxhole family, working and lurking. Hashtag the truth is loose. <laughs> I love when you say that. Just duckies, thanks for that cookie. Uh, Filter Dog One says, does the trial have sound? The trial does have sound, but it's not our trial yet. So the way the Court of Appeals works is they put like a whole bunch of cases on the docket. Uh, and then they go down this list and they say, okay, you know, coming up next, Armentia et al. versus um, Google. So once that happens, we're going to get there. We're on to the second case right now, uh, Filter Dog One. And uh, we are hopefully not too far down the list. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, looks like maybe, is this it? Waterford, Hurwitz, Vitaliano. 
I don't know. I don't know what that's about there. Okay. Bidirectional bribery. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Met was. Zach, I have a feeling that the on the end of Red October, it will be suicide weekend. Hey, man, I am certainly hoping so. You know, this is obviously one of the most important Octobers in recent memory because we have a, one of the most important midterm elections coming up in November. And undoubtedly, that's why they call it an October surprise, because there's always this big revelation that comes out right before the election. So the question is, is it going to be an October surprise that benefits us or is it going to be an October surprise that they tried to use to hurt us. Um, you know, if the Mar-a-Lago raid had happened closer to the midterms, I would have considered that to be an October surprise. Um, but as it is, uh, okay, she said third or fourth in line, I think. Okay, that's great. That's great. You know, I would love it. I'm really hoping that it's an October surprise that's going to benefit us. And, <clears throat> you know, uh, the way things have shaped up, uh, I mean, there, there have been some telltale signs that perhaps this is going to be a good month for us. Personally, I think that no matter what happens here in October, um, you know, whether it harkens back to anything we've heard in the past or not, uh, I truly do believe that we will have an overwhelming victory come November because the Democrat Party have destroyed themselves. The Biden regime have demonstrated quite handily to the American people how corrupt they are, uh, how far they're willing to go to destroy this nation, and the uh, election in, in November is going to be a referendum on Joe Biden and Biden policies, and even more than that, a referendum on the Democrat Party. And people have, they have completely abandoned the Democrat Party, which is uh, a really, really good thing as far as I'm concerned. And um, we're going to see some massive change happening here in 2023. Now, I, I want to go back to the idea that President Trump was going to be returning before the midterms. I haven't thought that President Trump was going to be returning before the midterms. I know that John said that he did. Um, he's open uh, to President Trump coming back after the midterms. And I personally think that that's more likely. Uh, but whether or not it's before or after the midterms, what's important to me is that President Trump will come back in some form or another. Um, personally, I think that with the way that it's been going uh, and the direction that we've been heading, uh, it looks to me like it will probably be President Trump actually running again in 2024. You know, think about it like this. I, I, I don't know that we've ever had, uh, I think that 2020 will be shown to be completely illegitimate. And Joe Biden and the things he's done while he's been in office are going to be essentially erased from the history books. Um, he will be forever known as the illegitimate president, the selected uh, 46th president of the United States. Um, and uh, and just based upon that, I think that we're going to get a, a little bit of payback for those things. Um, let me see. Yes. Uh, Rizzy Truth. Let me see. Been watching your show for a long time since you first started and didn't show your face and have never been agitated at all with anything you have covered or said. Fairy snowflake types are those. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they are fairy snowflake types. Uh, this is something I said the other day too, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's a um, an idea that I think people should always remember. You know, um, I go through life with the knowledge and the understanding that uh, I don't know the future, um, and that although I have things that I would like to have happen, 
ultimately, there are many different things that I'm not in control of. And so if I don't set my sights on any one particular thing, I will never be let down. I will never be disappointed. Um, I will, of course, uh, be disheartened at times because things didn't go the way I wanted them to, but I don't let it ruin my day. You know, every single morning that I wake up, every single morning that I get to, you know, roll over and kiss Lisa and take the dogs outside and call my daughter and my mom and take a look at the beautiful Florida sunshine, go to the beach, it doesn't matter. They're all freaking miracles, guys. The very fact that I'm alive is a miracle. The fact that God put me and my family and everybody that I love here in this wonderful, glorious time, it is a freaking miracle. Everything that had to come together to make my parents conceive me at the moment they did so that we could be here to witness this historic change that I know is taking place. Maybe it's longer than you wanted, but this is the most beautiful time to be alive, and I wouldn't change it for the world. So don't let yourself get depressed or upset because things didn't happen when you believe they would or how you believe they would, because God is the one who's directing this play. And for whatever reason, God wants America and wants the people of planet Earth to experience this life in the way that we have, okay? And there is nothing that's happened that God didn't mean for it to happen. There is nothing that's taken place that God did not directly intend for us to experience, so just remember that when you think about how you wish things were different, ask yourself, why did God make it this way? Okay. And try to imagine what positive things could come from this, you know, from adversity springs, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, people coming up with new and, and interesting ways to, to deal with things. Uh, okay. So please do me a favor, hit that Hit that plus sign over there on Rumble. Hit the uh, gold pills or the red pills over there on the foxhole. Uh, let me see. So, uh, Matt Waz. Yeah, life is so amazing. God's glory. Absolutely. Uh, Wedge Gravy. Zach, Trump better make a move soon. I don't see how this world continues after 11-8. I guarantee you, after 11-8, no matter what happens, the world will continue. The world is not going to end, guys. I guarantee you, the world is not going to end. Honey, I don't know if you can hear me, but can you please bring me a, a, a bang? I'm so thirsty, and I didn't get one right before I went on the air. We have to pray for things to happen. Yes, we have to have faith in God that God will deliver us from whatever ails and ailments that, uh, that we have before us. We have to be active in our communities, and we have to do whatever we can in our own personal lives to make the world a better place. Okay, that's what we have to do. That's what God put us here to do. God gave us the free will to make the decision to love him, to have faith in him, and to add to the beauty of this world and not make it worse. And when you when we complain about how things aren't the way we want them to be, I uh, guarantee you we're, we're making it a, a worse place. It's not helping anything. I think we will make it to 2024, you guys. I truly do believe we'll make it to 2024. Because in 2023, when that new Congress takes over, it's going to be a Republican, America first, more important than a Republican, because we don't care about the rhinos. It's going to be an America first majority in Congress. There isn't a single thing that Joe Biden is going to be able to get done with a Republican Congress, House and Senate. There isn't a single thing that he'll be able to do. And 
with a Republican majority, we have the opportunity to completely remove him from office. Uh, remember the 25th Amendment? Let me see. Um, how am I so, how sure are you about that? Who? I don't know which one you're talking to there. Um, okay, Rebel Patriot believes that Trump will be back before January 2023. There's no way we make it to 2025. You're wrong, Zach. Sorry, bro. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nobody knows, and we're not there yet. So, like, you know, here's the thing, guys. Either I'm wrong or I'm right, but I believe that I will continue on in one form or another. I believe that America will continue on, and I believe that God will continue to bless us. Uh, however that looks, that's up to God. Um, you know, but if I'm wrong, if, hey, if if America ends and the world ends and we're all dead, you know, I was wrong. Guess what? I get to go to heaven. I'm not that worried about it at the end of the day. I think we all need to remember to maintain our faith, to maintain <clears throat> our faith and our hope in God, our belief that he will continue to deliver for us. Okay. Uh, let me see. I did get something over on Cash App I wanted to go ahead and mention because uh, I didn't do it over the weekend. Uh, yesterday, Patrick, Patrick Halloran. Thank you very much, Patrick. Appreciate that. And then Mitzi as well. She said, thank you for being such a strong leader. We love you. I love you too. Um, and if you if you perceive me as a leader, that's uh, honestly, you know, uh, that's an honor. That's quite the honor. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, guys, we are facing possible attack from Russia and China. God will save us. I just know it. He will. He will. You know, I mean, what what do, do, do you do we believe that God intends for America to uh, be destroyed in thermonuclear fire? And if we do, what happens to us? OK, honestly, you guys do give me a one in the chat if you have faith that God will deliver us what we need. I didn't mean to trigger you, Rebel Patriot. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see if this is the new case, of our case. Wonderful. Come on up. I don't think this is it. No, this is Navigator Specialty Insurance versus California Bank and Trust. Um, you do have to have a lot of patience. All right. You know, I mean, that's just it. Honestly, honestly, guys, if if you are, if you're here and you're thinking, God, America's not going to survive, that we're not going to be able to do this, that we're not going to win, that, you know, we're, we're going to die in a thermonuclear war. I, I encourage you to go watch the um, the show that I did with Fritz on Saturday. Kaori, good to see you over there, Kaori. Yorko is absolutely right. If President Trump would have been the one to reveal all of this stuff, the media would have attacked it. The left would never have accepted it. Now what's happening, the like the full weight and truth of all of the corruption and the criminality, uh, the destruction of this nation, it's all coming out under Joe Biden. It's all coming out under Joe Biden. How can they cover it up? CNN losing all of their top talent. Did that happen under Trump? No. <laughs> the landscape is changing right now. And this is the thing. People fail to see the forest for the trees. They, they don't look at what's happening, excuse me, right in front of them. They think about what they wished had happened. Okay, this is a slow, 
and delicate process, but it is happening. Uh, There were rumors last week in October that the emergency broadcast system would take over all media broadcasting. At the same time, we could expect to see various countries across across, across the globe being... Um, Well, it hasn't happened yet, and uh, CNN being rebuilt to a conservative news network. Imagine that, guys. Imagine CNN. CNN is being forced to become a conservative news network. uh, Rebel Patriot says, I'm a realist. I know what we're facing. It's extremely bad. God will save us, though. He will use Trump, and it won't be much longer. Amen. You know, And, and here's the other thing, too. When you're thinking about timelines, you know, how long, how old is the earth, okay? I would imagine that most of you believe it's at least about 6,000 years old, if not older. A couple of years, one single presidential administration, it's a drop in the bucket. It's just a drop in the bucket, you know? Soon, how, how soon? Is that soon for us? Is that soon for God? Is that soon for, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the time on earth? Who knows? I truly believe, and I have believed for a long time, that the revealing that we're seeing, it had to come out in the way that it did. Because again, President Trump, he did everything he could to expose this stuff while he was in office. He did everything he could. He declassified. uh, He went in front of the media. He was all over his Twitter account. He had us backing him up. And it wasn't enough. They censored us. They shut us down. They raided us by the FBI. Uh, they they tried to silence us through the canceling of our bank accounts and through audits from the IRS. None of it worked. None of it worked, okay? They had to steal the election. They had to install Joe Biden, and they had to push us out. What did we do? We made our own freaking social media companies. How many years, guys, were people saying, oh, just start your own social media company? Well, that's not easy to do, okay? But doing it slowly on a shoestring budget like my boys over at the Foxhole, they were able to do it slowly. President Trump was finally able to make Truth Social. The people at Rumble, they went from a small Canadian video sharing platform. uh, I don't know where that ding came from. They went from being a small Canadian video sharing platform that was mostly short viral videos of like people feeding deer and stuff to now being the largest consumer uh, uh, conservative video sharing platform on the internet. <clears throat> Dragon Ka, Drag Kona says, why are we the people not holding our government officials accountable for their actions? When you say, why are we not? Who is not? Because I look around and I see many people attempting to hold our government accountable. I see people doing a number of different things that they're attempting to hold the government accountable. If you think that people aren't, then I think maybe the question is, what are you doing to hold the government accountable? We the people, that's a big statement, okay? How many millions of people, hundreds of millions of people do we have here in America? I know it's around, it was at least 320 million, something like that. Now, a portion of them are definitely doing stuff to hold the government accountable. But we need more people to do it. Aries 51, Earth is billions of years old. I believe that the Earth is billions of years old. 
Um, I and yes, I mean, I have talked a number of times about rebuilding our nation from the ground up. But that's I think that's the only way that this works. We have to disband the FBI. We have to disband the CIA. Uh, we need a complete changeover in government. We need to uh, cancel as many federal agencies as we possibly can. In fact, I would like to see the smallest possible federal government that we could possibly get away with. OK, representative government. That's it. Get rid of all the federal agencies Hand that over to the states. Let the states decide how best to govern their people because the people of these states are radically different from the other ones. <clears throat> Did you guys see, I've covered this before, but I believe that in Oregon, uh, the eastern counties of Oregon had um, had uh, uh, voted to disband from Oregon and go over to Idaho. I thought that was it. You can't vote your way out of tyranny through a rigged election system. We're not removing them from office. That's our constitutional right. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But when you say remove them from office, how do you mean? Do you mean by physically going into a government building and removing them by force? Or do you mean going about any number of other different ways of removing those people from office? It's not only voting. Voting is not the only method by which we have to hold our elected representatives accountable. That's one method, but there are a number of others, many, many others. Mm. I don't know. When I think about how old the earth is, I look at uh, things like Michael Cremo's Forbidden Archaeology. It's a great book. I would highly recommend it. I would love to be able to interview him. I don't even know if he's still alive yet anymore. But, um, you know, you, you can dig down in the earth and get lower and lower through strata and strata and you find artifacts that shouldn't be there. I think we have seen uh, a number of different cycles of destruction and rebirth here on planet Earth. Civilizations, societies being uh, washed away, forgotten, building themselves back up, forgetting about what they knew before. I don't think this is the first go round that we've had on Earth. There's a lot. There is a lot to do. And don't get me wrong. I, I, it's not like I don't recognize like how complicated and uh, you know how, how daunting the task is. But that's why I tried to get every single person who watches the show to do something actively, to be a part of holding them accountable, to be a part of resetting the system, tearing it all down, building it back up. We also need Christians who are going to be trained in science, who are, are not going to necessarily look at everything as a, you know, as an accident. Um, you know, obviously, I, I believe in intelligent design. I think that, you know, my statement earlier about me being here at this time, I mean, that's for a purpose. Every single one of us are here for a purpose. We don't all know what that purpose is, and we haven't all found it you know, before it gets to be a late in life, but that's your responsibility is to figure out what God put you here to do. Uh, let me see. Uh, Empress, thank you for that cookie. And another one, she said, I would think after January 20th, I think President Trump coming back. Uh, and then also with another cookie, A. Allen Godwins, thank you for that can. Lou Ann V says, what a relief are you seeking from this suit to have our accounts reinstated and damages for the, uh, the the lost time and the lost revenue of being on these platforms, 
Also, the uh, tortious interference that they engaged in in uh, destroying our businesses. You know, uh, they set up these platforms under the auspice of allowing people to interact with each other and have uh, a line of communication. And we used them to uh, to build up these platforms and these channels, and then they summarily just swiped them out from underneath us. We lost communication with every single person that was our subscriber or that we had connections to. Think about also Twitter. How many people I had DMs with and I just lost them altogether. Um, why did Stephen King write that book about the dome? I think Stephen King uh, wrote that book about the dome because he has... Uh, He's he's fairly, fairly creative minded. And, you know, um, I don't necessarily think that like every piece of fiction out there is uh, directly like. It's not all planned to be programming. I think that the authors and the writers and the directors, you know, they will insert their own ideas. Uh, certainly there are overarching themes that they're directed to put in there. The that dome book though, man, this the the show was terrible. Uh, Sean Anand says, if we turn this ship around tomorrow, can we say lessons have been learned? Excellent point, Sean. Excellent point. If we turn the ship around tomorrow, if everything just got better all at once, who would go back to living their their life the exact same way that it was before? Who would no longer be engaged? Who would uh, uh, you know just drop out and say, hey man, I'm going to go live my best life now because uh, suddenly everything's great. <clears throat> That would, that would immediately lead us back into the same position we're at right now. Just duckies. Uh, it's beautiful, the effects we've had on the mainstream media. CNN is changing and Politico is writing bipartisan articles right now. Yeah, that's great. Debbie Roush, they heard both sides and closed for the day. What are you talking about, Debbie Roush? Debbie, the, the case is still going. Am I in the wrong freaking room? Because this was the link that I was given. And I haven't seen our case come up yet. Debbie Roush, please. Tell me. <laughs> Bend got redressed. Okay, let me see. Um, Debbie, I'm looking for a uh, confirmation from you in the chat. I'm going to die. If I missed it, because I was ranting this whole time. I didn't see it come up. The YouTube lawsuit. Yeah, the YouTube lawsuit. It hasn't come up yet. The YouTube lawsuit hasn't come up yet. I've been sitting here with it on the screen the whole time. It's over for today. What are you talking about? I. This is the... Oh, good God. S did somebody give me the wrong freaking link? Oh, my God. I'm so annoyed. Debbie... Debbie, I was on this. Twelve thirty Eastern. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is the this is the link. This is the link that I was given, and that I've been on. And the YouTube lawsuit has not popped up yet. Oh my god! It was okay. It was the wrong freaking link. Oh my god. Can't even. Can't even. Okay, so we're going to watch it now. <laughs> we're going to watch it from the start right now, apparently, guys. Here we go. 
going doesn't mean I really gave you extra time. It means that uh, you went into overtime. But um, if any of my colleagues are asking you questions, please feel free to continue to answer questions as long as the court is asking you questions. But otherwise, try to keep your comments to the time allotted. I realize that you consider the time yours, but we also consider it ours because obviously you would want us to have all our questions answered before we decide your case. So the first matter is Mariana Lopez, Ramos Lopez versus Merrick Garland. 2073233. That's been submitted on the briefs and will be submitted as of this date. The next case is Ganesh Kasiligam versus Stitchfitch 21-16837. That's been submitted on the briefs and will be submitted as of this date. The next case is Gurchechen Singh versus Merrick Garland. 21-70752, submitted on the briefs, will be submitted as of this date. And obviously the last case is Jason Fick versus Facebook, 21-16997. That's submitted on the briefs, will be submitted as of this date. So the case that's on for argument is John Doe versus uh, Google YouTube, 21-16934. Each side has 15 minutes total. So we're ready. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having an argument on this case, Your Honors. May it please the court. I intend to reserve four minutes for rebuttal. Okay, do you want to just state your name for the record? I was just getting there. My name is Chris Armenta. Thank you. May I proceed? Yes, please do. I represent the plaintiffs who were conservative commentators and journalists who for years published their works on YouTube, more than 15,000 videos, almost 800 million views, more than most mainstream media channels. That is until October 15, 2020, when they were summarily erased on that day. We're challenging the district court's order that dismissed the First Amendment complaint. The district court held that there was no state action plausibly alleged. She also did not grant leave to amend, and also the decision to decline to take supplemental jurisdiction over the state contract claims. My ninth grader is studying Fahrenheit 451 in English, so I thought I would start with that, which is the case in which Ray Bradbury wrote of a dystopian society in which firemen, instead of putting out fires, they burned books and sometimes the people along with them in the interest of creating conformity and squelching independent thought. In this case, YouTube is the book burner. And it's the government officials and the House of Representatives itself that identified for YouTube which books to burn. The plaintiffs allege that the public officials, through H.R. 1154, specifically identified the speech that plaintiffs had been making for years on YouTube. It was the escalating threats that public officials made out loud. Nancy Pelosi said um, that she would take away or she would attempt to take away Section 230 immunity. Um, YouTube hopped to it, and we allege that they did it as a result of both coercion and encouragement. One thing that's kind of weird about this is um, you don't have anything really in the record about what they took down. I mean, we can track it down, but then it's not really in the record, which seems kind of bizarre to me 
that you're making us work that hard on that <laughs> so um, I'm just not sure why there aren't more specific allegations relating to the specific content Fair that's point. at issue here. Fair point, Your Honor. There are a few allegations in the first in the complaint, and I admit, I think we admit in our brief, they could have been much more detailed. Um, part of that reason well, is... Well, we're just kind of human beings. We sure, wonder what sure. we're taking down. Sure, of course. So if you look at um, ER 59... Um, paragraph 8 of the First Amendment complaint does uh, talk about conspiracy theories, talks about content about Hunter Biden in the Ukraine, the ongoing corruption probe, content about social media censorship, um, content about QAnon. That's right in the complaint. It's also some of those are the specific issues that were identified in H.R. 1154. So there's a direct link between what the House of Representatives identified, what the plaintiff's content was, and then Curiously, exactly what you two put in their blog on October 15th. Well, let me, let me ask you. Let's assume there's all that and more. The question is, does it matter? Because what I think is lacking here, and maybe you can point me to it, I don't see any congressional command. Um, and I don't see anything that links it with YouTube, for example, where it appears that uh, your client's writings um, took place. Do you have any allegation you can make on that other than what you've made? I think, Your Honor, if we decide that Blum and Bantam Books and all the other cases required a congressional demand, then we're really taking the heart out of those cases where the Supreme Court said that encouragement, threats, coercion is enough. And so the question really is, is were there threats and encouragement and coercion enough that, as the case law is, that the private action should be fairly attributed to the state. Now, the you have you have a, well, you have a couple members of Congress, and we know they are not Congress. Right. And I think your clients would probably agree with that. Yes, <laughs> yes of course. So you have a couple of people who um, have made statements that can't be a compulsion, can it? No, it can't. And we saw that in... Uh, so the so what, what else is there then? Let me explain where the line, where I think the line should be, because right. I think it's very important to identify that line, if not in this case, perhaps, if the case comes back. And that's this. We saw in Abu Jamal, Senator Dole didn't like a program that was going up. That wasn't enough. We saw in a case, uh, Elizabeth Warren criticized an uh, Amazon book. That's not enough, because after all, the legislators do have their own First Amendment rights to say what they think. You know, we see that a lot, and that's absolutely fair game. But but, what is your best case? When you have an S, Bantam Books, 1963. In Bantam Books, a New Jersey commission identified what publications it didn't like, and the publishers decided to um, stop circulating those books. And they did that because they were afraid of some unspecified action that could befall them. It wasn't a mandate. It wasn't, they weren't threatened with anything specific. In this case, by the way, YouTube was threatened with something very specific. They were threatened with the takeaway of the lifeblood of their business, which was the repeal of 230. Now, that alone isn't enough. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems kind of, if Congress did that, if Congress got into a debate, which they may well, as you know, and the mm-hmm. Supreme Court has a 230 case pending before it now, right. We would have a different case. But, but that's all in the hurly-burly of politics, whether you're for or against or you want to modify 230. There hasn't been any binding congressional action in any way or any pile-on by specific people, correct? That is correct, Your Honor. What you have to look is the 
combination of forces that caused external pressure on YouTube, as I think Judge Callahan wrote the opinion in UC in uh, Doe versus Regents, where you have a number of forces that create pressure and reaction. So the question is, did the plaintiffs allege that there was enough pressure and the specific identification of the speech in question that YouTube reacted? Well, it's very simple to find that because all you have to do is look at the timeline. The House passed its resolution on October 2nd, 2020. It identified the specific content. The plaintiff's channels had been up for years, years. YouTube never before identified conspiracy theories, QAnon, Hunter Biden's laptop, or any of those things. And suddenly, they want us to believe that on October 15th, YouTube had this sudden epiphany that they wanted to exercise their First Amendment rights that they hadn't done in years and years and years. The only thing that you can see is that H.R. 1154 that identified that specific speech was passed on October 2nd. The government's not allowed to identify by formal resolution specific speech that it wants social media to take down. I mean, this wouldn't matter if it was a private library or if it's social media. The point is the government, in a formal way, which has been followed up, by the way, by written threats, not only audible threats, but also a writing and an admission by YouTube that it was acting on the censorship issue in partnership. In but, partnership. Okay, but let's assume that what everything that you say is enough for state action. Doesn't that just create a situation where you can hold the government responsible, not necessarily the private actor? Because uh-huh. you're, it, it seems to me that you're alleging that, and if we agreed with you on that, then that would bring the government in. But I don't see any case out there. It seems to me you're asking us to push it even a step further and say, therefore, then the private actor is responsible. Uh, and we are asking that, Your Honor, and that's because but it is, there is... is that a step further than am I, am that, I missing something? That is a step, but it's not further than the existing law. So in the cases that we cite in our brief, Collins versus Woman Care, Brunetti versus Humane Society, and even in, in, in the courts, the courts said, this court, the Ninth Circuit, that when the private actors essentially act as agents of the state or do the state's bidding, as we contend they've done here, their conduct is transformed into that of the state, and they can be held responsible. I think so, you had a question, Judge well, Bank. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sorry. Building, I stepped building on, on you. On, no, no, building on uh, Judge Callahan's question, that is kind of an odd result, right? Because it, we're, under your theory, Google really, really doesn't want to do this, but they just feel compelled to do it because of the government. So now we're going to you know, add insult to injury and punish Google because the government made them, you know, under your theory. And that just seems like an odd result. It seems like you would punish the government for for forcing Google to do something, not punish Google for being forced. I I see what you're saying, Your Honor, um, but I would say that um, that's not necessarily the conclusion. We've pled it in the alternative because until we look under the hood on this, I don't know. Were they acting in partnership, as Susan Widget tweeted? Okay, so let me get that for a second, because that's what I think, I mean, that's what you actually think. And that's what a lot of people think, is that Google actually wants to take this stuff down, right? Is that Google, you know, you know my, I suppose best case for you, Google's taking this stuff, you know, Google's thankful for the government asking them to do it so they can kind of have a little bit of a reason to do it. But if Google wants to take this down, you have a plausibility standard at, motion, at the motion to dismiss stage, right, under Iqbal and Twombly. Right. So why is it not equally plausible 
I mean, we have other cases that are challenging, you know, it's, it's national news that, that these folks like Google and, and Facebook, that they are deplatforming, you know, deplatforming conservatives. So, I mean, why is it not equally or more plausible that Google just wants to take these folks down and wants to do it just before, you know, you say, well, the timing's suspect here. But it's not suspect. It's right before the election. Well, it's right before the election, and it's right after the passage of H.R. 1154 that specifically called out that specific kind of speech. So I don't think it's plausible, even though that's not a defense that was in the pleadings. And again, we have to go... But if that is what Google and these other platforms are doing, I think a lot of people would agree with you that's problematic. But is the fix this, or is the fix some regulations that stop them from stomping on people well, I think and, until, and regulating content. Until we know the answer, we really have very little for anyone to go ahead and pass a regulation. We all know that many laws and regulations are born out of outcomes and cases. And in this case, I think that the public and we are all entitled to know exactly what happened between the passage of H.R. 1154 and how YouTube so, so suddenly... So let me ask you this. So on your, around yeah. I just want to... So, I hear what you're saying, but how is this lawsuit going to help them? To, are you thinking that if you can get to discovery or something, you can get emails from Nancy, between Nancy Pelosi and the, and the CEO of Google saying, let's do this? Or, I mean, know. I think well, we'll see what the internal machinations are. For instance, you're talking about things that were up on the news. So last month, Zuckerberg testified that they got um, a directive from the FBI to take down anything related to Hunter Biden's laptop, right? And if you look at H.R. 1154, it's directing the but if, FBI. But if Google didn't want to do this, wouldn't Google's attorney, and we'll hear from her in a second, wouldn't she come up here and say, yeah, we really didn't want to do this either, but we were forced to do it, and you guys would be walking hand in hand? Well, that would be great if this was a summary judgment motion and she was under oath or this was a trial, but she's not. But, you know, the, the other problem is even if the House resolution had some binding impact, which it doesn't, it doesn't seem to track your case because what you say, well, the FBI is directed to do something. No, all the FBI is, it encourages them to con- strengthen their focus on preventing violence and threats and extremism. Conspiracy. Nothing in here even talks about YouTube in the House resolution. So I'm, I'm seeing this kind of big disconnect so- between your reliance on the House resolution and what actually it says. I think it's important to look at Bantam Books. In that case... No, no. We can look at Bantam Books, but first, I'd appreciate if you'd answer my, yes. answer my question. Where in the resolution? In the resolution, the House specifically identified... I put my glasses on for this. Conspiracy theories. In the very first line... Uh, uh, in the second... Uh, on ER 131. Right. Identified... Conspiracy theories in QAnon. In other words, it identified the specific speech that was the subject of this resolution, period. Okay? Then they use words about this kind of speech, urge, condemn, encourage, and so forth. Words that are much stronger than the Supreme Court used in Blum. Then you look at the plaintiff's complaint, and they allege that they are they were the publishers of conspiracy theories, including um, conspiracy theories and QAnon. And you have then the immediately deplatforming of their content. So you have a direct link between the content that's identified in H.R. 1154 at E.R. 131 and the allegations made in plaintiff's complaint at paragraph 8. And so that's where you see the link. And and the interesting thing is, 
the district court sort of mentioned the same thing that there weren't enough facts about the plaintiff's content and identified that that was a lacking of the complaint that there should have been more than just assuming that all this that all the q and on and the disputes over it let's just assume they were alleged i don't see how it changes anything well i guess that is for this court to decide if the court's going to decide that government overreaching and interference into private conduct where there's a clear reaction that they the private company essentially as we allege has done the government's bidding to censor stuff that the government can do directly but they're using youtube to do for them i mean if the government says that there's going to have to be a command or a regulation i mean then we're creating a precedent for sure because that's not what blum versus uretsky said that's not what bantam said that's not what any of the cases have said that there has to be a command there is no such command of the district court absolutely got it wrong when you look at the precedent i'm going to give you a little time for rebuttal but i need to talk about bivens before i let you sit down um i understand your client's complaint to assert a first amendment claim under bivens i've got two questions for you it seems that you've got a couple of cases that are problematic for you. And one is uh, Egbert versus Boulle or Boulle, and the other is the Maleska case, which appears to foreclose the availability of Bivens in lawsuits against private corporations. So let's assume you could assert a Bivens claim. Why don't those cases cut you off at the knees? They both discuss the damages issue. Oh, they what? So they're, they're only relative, relevant to the damages issue only. So they addressed whether damages are available, as the court is aware we were seeking injunctive relief as well. And the Bivens only applies to the creation, the judicial creation of the damages remedy. And so those cases said that you can't do that beyond the sort of precise Bivens context. So it might slice out the damages portion, but certainly we wouldn't have the damages sliced out of the uh, supplemental contract claims. Um, and the Bivens, the, the issue with No, them. but you, you, you need your federal claim that right. you can attach your supplemental contract claim. But if you don't have a legitimate Bivens claim, you don't have anything to attach your contract claim to. And you, you, can, you still have your contract claim in state court, right? Of course, there are other remedies, though, like injunctive relief, which is what the plaintiffs were seeking initially, not just damages. So there are more than a single remedy for that First Amendment violation. But what is, what is the Bivens remedy, as you understand it? As I understand it, it's a damages remedy only. Right. It's the creation of solely a damages remedy. But So what, if, you don't want, if you're not talking about damages, then should we even be addressing your Bivens claim? Uh, we should be addressing the First Amendment claim in so much as they asked for injunctive relief. That was part of the remedy that was requested. To hold. But then we're back to the, the coercion and the... Exactly, okay. to the state action issue. Right. That's exactly Thank where we you. end up. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, before I let you sit down, do either of my colleagues have any additional questions? All right, I'm going to give you, you two minutes for a rebuttal. All right, thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Your Honor. May it please the court, Lauren White on behalf of Google and YouTube. Judge Callahan, you asked a question during my colleague's argument, which was even assuming 
the facts construed in the light most favorable to the appellants, wouldn't that only give her a remedy against the government itself? Wouldn't the court have to stretch the state action theory a step farther to hold a private company liable? And I want to answer that question emphatically, yes, it would. Appellants' allegations come nowhere close to meeting the standard necessary to extend the state action doctrine and treat a private party as the government. They allege various facts that my colleague called a combination of forces creating pressure and reaction, but their theory finds no analog or support in any of the rare cases that have treated a private party as the government. And as the Supreme Court recently explained in Halleck, quote, the state action doctrine enforces a critical boundary between the government and the individual and thereby protects a robust sphere of individual liberty. Halleck instructs courts to limit the state action doctrine to its, quote, traditional boundaries. And this court recognized as much in its decision in Prager and in at least two other cases that summarily affirmed state action theories remarkably like this one. Can I ask you a question about what, and I guess I'm not familiar with all the cases and what they say on this as far as when the government's acting through a private actor, but if you have a situation where the government says, you know, even a command, like let's say if you had a situation, which question whether that's here in this case, but says do this, and the private actor says thank you, we've been wanting to do that, and so they do it, is that, what is that, in that circumstance, do you have a, you know, the government act, do you say it's the government acting or do you say it's the private actor that's acting or is it both? So, Your Honor, I've reviewed a lot of cases, as I'm sure my colleague has as well, and there are no cases finding state action against a private party under circumstances like that. The case that she, that Ms. Armenta really focused on is Bantam Books. What is your response to her argument on that? So, Bantam Books involved a state commission that issued a report identifying specific publications that it wanted booksellers to revoke from sale. That report was delivered by police officers, by government officials with authority to enforce law. There is no alleged source of government power in this case with the power or authority to enforce law. So, can I ask you a question about Ms. Bantam Books? So, that sounds pretty strong-arming, you know, those facts. Then the next question, though, is, I'm kind of getting at, after that, if you have these strong-arm, what you might call strong-arm tactics by the government, but it turns out Bantam Books, you know, issued something saying, we really want to, we really want to remove these books anyway. Is that what happened in Bantam Books? Was there anything like that where Bantam Books was saying, we want to do this anyway? We're not doing this because the government's making us do it. Not that I'm aware of, Your Honor. And as I understand it, your position here is, we want to do this. We're not doing this because the government made us do it. We want to do it. We wanted to remove these people. So, it is true, Your Honor, that YouTube, in this circumstance, exercised its discretion. As even appellants admit on ER 74, they allege 
expressly that YouTube exercised its discretion and applied its own content policies in making the decision to remove appellant's channels. That is true. But even crediting her theory that it made those decisions based on some political pressure uh, exerted by Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and the House of Representatives, that those government actors do not bring the authority of the government itself. So they don't have the power to coerce on behalf of the federal government. And second, if she, if she were to concede that YouTube made this decision independently, that that would be an instance of YouTube exercising its own rights under the terms of service, where it has no obligation to host content and reserves the right to remove content. And it's rights under the First Amendment to decide. Well, let me ask you to... this then. Let's just accept as true for the moment that appellant's <clears throat> allegation that YouTube discriminates against conservative content. Let's accept that as true. Is there any remedy for such discrimination, particularly given YouTube's dominant market position? Absolutely, Your Honor. Appellants asserted a breach of contract claim in this case. Appellants in similar cases, alleging theories similar to this one, have asserted all sorts of other common law claims in tort and contract. Those remedies are available to appellants um, as their own, as the procedural history in this case uh, demonstrates. But the First Amendment binds the government. It doesn't bind private parties. Only in very limited exceptions can it be extended. And this is simply not one of them, and it doesn't come close. So could there be a congressional fix to this problem if Congress, for some reason, thought that platforms such as YouTube and Google were discriminating against conservative viewpoints? I, I would agree that that would be a, a better approach, perhaps. Um, um, not one that you would like, but... Um, not, but, not but, uh, but uh I mean, while we're talking about it, you're telling us basically that we're trying to script, you know, fit a square peg into a round hole with the First Amendment here. But uh, if there's a problem, what would be the fixes to that? What, what are the options if someone that has this kind of market power is just picking on conservative people? Well, multiple states have attempted to pass legislation to address this problem. The Supreme Court likely is going to be addressing the constitutionality and legality of those legislative attempts this term. So I think we'll have an answer very soon, but at least those states have attempted a legislative fix. And, and certainly, if, if the concern here, um, as as appellants argue, is that there's there's certain uh, political pressure. Um, the representative branches of government are free to express opinions about public policy. This court recognized as much in American Family Association, uh, which upheld the, the right of the city of San Francisco to condemn very specific political advertisements and to uh, pressure uh, publications and uh, news media not to broadcast very specific advertisements because but, those... but you know even if Congress were to repeal 230 and the immunity or safe harbor uh, that internet service providers and other platforms have, would that fix this First Amendment problem where they say that 
the company is discriminating against a certain viewpoint they they really have a first some nature of a first amendment claim how would congress fix that it's a difficult it's a difficult question your honor as i i think the inability of congress to pass any joint resolution demonstrates i mean even in this case we're talking about a resolution on behalf of a single chamber of congress it wasn't a joint resolution it wasn't congress as a whole expressing some concern about the political perspectives of youtube or so i mean your position here is basically you're doing what you're doing because that's what you want to do and no the government isn't making you do it well on a rule 12 motion your honor we we have to accept the facts as alleged as true and here the facts as alleged are that youtube made this decision because it was bowing to political pressure from a few individuals and the house of representatives um that there's a this alternative theory that that youtube was acting jointly with the government although that theory is not really supported by any specific factual allegations did the district court consider the anonymous employee declaration characterizing the content of appellants videos as part of its 12b6 analysis and if so was that appropriate she did not your honor uh, and and appellants recognize as much on page nine of their brief footnote one um, the district court did cite the anonymous declaration in her order on the on appellants emergency tro application um, but even there the site was merely a c also she did not appear to rely on the substance of the declaration in denying the temporary restraining order but she certainly did not consider it in connection with the motion can you to talk dismiss. to me about bivens and egbert absolutely your honor um there is no cause for extending uh, the bivens remedy here the supreme court has been clear that the state action doctrine should not be expanded beyond its traditional boundaries i would argue that the supreme court has been even clearer that court should not extend the bivens remedy beyond its traditional boundaries and and in particular should not extend the remedy to new causes of action such as alleged deprivations of first amendment right or to new categories of defendants including private companies we've looked we looked mostly at bivens of course as a damages issue and series of recent supreme court cases which have con- now constricted that but i think the the plaintiffs here say well we, we don't even if we were to forego damages, what we really want is an injunction or maybe an affirmative injunction to put things back up onto the web. Is that really a Bivens claim, or are you right back into the state action soup? So the case law is not exactly clear, Your Honor, on whether a, a party can bring a First Amendment claim untethered to a right of action like Section 1983 in the state context or Bivens in the federal context. I think appellants are very clear in their brief that they intend to proceed under Bivens, and their complaint also uh, seeks a claim for damages um, on ER 74. Um, but, But even putting it aside and assuming that they're not intending to proceed under Bivens and they're asserting sort of an abstract First Amendment claim and seeking solely injunctive relief, then they're 
theory runs headlong into the problem this court recognized in carlin communications and there the court held that the private telephone company was a state actor in that circumstance and that was a public utility and it was bowing to pressure from a government agent with authority to enforce laws the county attorney in arizona but but putting that aside even assuming even finding that the telephone company was a state actor on remand the court specifically held that the telephone company was free to decide what it wanted to do with the speech that the county attorney had allegedly pressured the telephone company to remove this court under the st amendment cannot command a private company like you tube and dictate what it must and must not host it has its own content policies and reserves its right to exercise discretion over how to apply and interpret those policies and how to identify specific videos and channels that fall inside or outside the line of those policies do you agree you know there was a question to your opponent about if if you if you punish you know is it appropriate to punish the the private entity if it really is the government strong argument and do you agree though that i guess i think your opponent's view is by the case law that's the way it works if of course this is assuming that the government actually was strong strong arming and so let's just assume for a second that there was a first amendment violation here is it what you know what are the cases say about do we punish it seems like you'd punish the government but do the cases say well we're going to punish the company uh this court's case in sutton speaks directly to that issue your honor and and that court recognizes doing a very detailed survey of state action cases that the supreme court has never found a private party liable as a state actor under a coercion theory and that that makes sense for exactly the reason that your honor recognize what would the remedy be then is it an injunction against the government the federal government or something or there may be a claim against the government if the government is regulating in an area where it does not have the constitutional power to regulate there may well be a first amendment claim against the government here we're not again talking about actual regulation or or even a command with respect to specific content and and i'd like to to point out my my colleague repeatedly um commented that the house resolution identified specific content but it it really didn't it refers to q and on and to conspiracy theories but at the same time it it recognizes uh the harm associated with extreme ideologies from the far left and the far right um it's very general and it it purports to encourage certain federal officers to take action and it also encourages all americans um it's a resolution of general application does it address social media i thought it was also it acknowledged social media to do to do something it it does not your honor it acknowledges that certain social media companies have already taken action um and that um it but it does not urge social media or any private companies to take any specific action with respect to speech we've gone over can i ask yes please do so you know we i think earlier you talked about like there's maybe two paradigmatic examples there's the there's the most paradigmatic example of state action through a private entity which would be 
a government gun to the head of the private entity saying, say this or something, right? That would be, and so, but then you also mentioned, just put that aside, you also mentioned the idea of working together, coordinating, and that's sort of more the concept where I guess the private entity actually agrees with the government's position, and you don't have to, the government doesn't have to hold a gun, maybe they encourage them, but in that circumstance where you have a private entity that really wants to do something, and you have the government encouraging them to do something, what does the case law say about, because it seems to me like the government's involvement at that point, that one could argue at least that the government is sort of superfluous, right? The private entity, other than I suppose providing sort of some cover, I don't, you know, you could call it cover, but I'm trying to figure out where the, what is the First Amendment, you know, what work is the First Amendment doing in that, just saying the government saying, good work, Google, we really like what you're doing, does that somehow turn private action into government action? What do the cases say about that working together type of aspect of? So, Your Honor, I think if the allegations are that the government was superfluous, then by definition, the government could not be inextricably intertwined. That's what I'm asking is, is it superfluous when the government comes in and says, keep doing it? I mean, if I'm doing something and the government's, look over my shoulder and the government's giving me a thumbs up, I suppose it encourages me to do it more, but like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how much is, does the government still have to threaten in that context? Does it have to be a threat in that context or can it just be, is government encouragement plus private action enough to give rise under the case law to like a, to a state action First Amendment problem in the private context? It's not, Your Honor, and we concede that Blum uses the word encourage, but this court in Roberts also recognized the need not to stretch the encouragement test too far. And in order for a party to be... So is your view, just to be clear, I don't want to take you over to, your view is that in that sort of circumstance, that would never, that would never be, even if the government's super encouraging and Google's super excited about doing the thing that the government's, just, as long as Google is super excited or wants to do the thing that the government's super encouraging them to do, that's not, that doesn't implicate the state action First Amendment doctrine? So no case has ever held a private party liable as a state actor under circumstances anything like that. And given the Supreme Court's guidance to limit the state action doctrine to its traditional boundaries, this court would have to extend the doctrine farther than it has ever been extended to accept their theory. Well, following up on Judge Van Dyke's line of inquiry, we have ruled in Prager v. Google that the public function theory was out, and it seemed to me that the plaintiffs here have now foregone that. But my question is whether this combination of a nexus and compulsion is just another way of restating a public function theory. It's an interesting observation, Your Honor. That crossed my mind as well. Certainly, my colleague has referenced the market power of YouTube as part of her general theory. The problem is she doesn't seem to take issue with the fact that YouTube has content policies and that it doesn't allow certain constitutionally protected speech on its platform, for example, pornography. According to my colleague, the problem only arises where a government official expresses some opinion about a specific type or category of constitutionally protected speech. And in that scenario, the private party loses its ability to exercise its discretion and remove speech simply because 
a government official um, agrees with or supports the decision, and and that that would that would uh, eliminate the power of the representative branch of government to express public policy uh, opinions. Uh, in addition to removing the rights of of private parties to to control the content on their platforms and in, and create the types of communities that they want to create. There's okay. nothing for, further, Thank Your you. Honor. Thank you. All right, now I'll give you two minutes for rebuttal. So that kind of about basically evens you up. You both got a little more <laughs> questioning than uh, that's the good thing about submitting cases. We like a fair We're laser-focused on you. Uh, yes, Your Honor. As to uh, Judge Van Dyke's question, when does encouragement um, become a constitutional issue. The cases are really clear. It's when the choice of the private party is removed. When it's such significant encouragement that the choice is said to be that of the state, not of the private party, which is what the plaintiffs alleged here, based on the sequence and the timing of events. Counsel, were- how do we, I mean, so if that's the case, uh, if, if you have, I, I think you're, you would probably agree that Google wants to remove these things, too. So, you know, I guess that's the... I don't. I don't, Your Honor. I don't. Because if they had wanted to remove them, my clients are making them a lot of money. If they had wanted to remove them, they would have removed them over the 10 years prior to the passage of except HR for, Except for they, they wanted to make the money and affect the election would be, in theory, right? So And so make all the money until then just pop right then. I, I don't... I mean, that's the reason that we can speculate may have been. What we know are the facts, the timing, and under 12b-6 rules, there's a plausible inference that it was a reaction based on the sequence of events that occurred. That's what we're trying to get to here. There's a very distinctive sequence of events. I mean, the, maybe they wanted to do it themselves, then you know what, let me see an internal memo that says that. Or maybe what we're going to see is a director from the House of Representatives or the FBI identifying my client's channels and asking them to take it down between October 2nd and October 15th. I don't know the answer. But what I do feel is that we have enough for a plausible theory that it was a reaction. And the issue, um, Judge McKeown, is it a back way into the public function theory? I don't think so. I mean, Prager really foreclosed that until there's a solution at the Supreme Court or Congress level. I don't think we're going to see a change in that in this circuit. The issue is not whether it's a public function. The issue is the overreach of the government in identifying specific First Amendment content and placing enough pressure, as the plaintiffs have alleged, on a private party. It can happen with private libraries. It can happen in a, in a lift ride. It can happen anywhere. And if we let it start to happen here, let the government overreach, let them make threats, let them make pressure, and then pass in a formal House resolution identification of the content, and the private party hops to it, and so close in time that the answer is really obvious there, we're going to start to chip away at the First Amendment. And I think that's the biggest concern of my clients. Not so much the Bivens damage claim, because if you look at the record, we also, that, that claim, First Amendment, didn't even ask for damages. It really asked for injunctive relief and declaratory relief. The issue is, what are we doing at the First Amendment here? That's the real issue, and that's my client's interest in this case. Not necessarily in winning, but in making good law and making right law. Well, I think you've both done an excellent job of uh, answering our questions and uh, focusing us on the issues. Thank you, Ron. Um, this will conclude the calendar for today and will be in recess until tomorrow. At All right. 9:30. So tomorrow at 1230, they're coming back on. Um, obviously, I have Occam's razor at 1 p.m. So I think what I'm going to do is go ahead and just start early 
We will begin with this case and then we'll segue into Occam's Razor. What do you guys think? I was actually kind of surprised that they were uh, pleasant at the end of the of the uh, of the, the the arguments there. Um, I see a lot of people in the chat uh, thinking that uh, these judges were not very fair to our side. Kind of interesting that they're asking the defense to tell them how they're supposed to proceed. Um, who knows at this point, maybe they're going to come up with something that's going to be favorable to us, but it sure sounds like they think that the government is the one that we need to hold responsible here. However, regardless of what happens, this is going to end up going to the U.S. Supreme Court, I'm certain. Uh, because I uh, I can only imagine that in this uh, uh, Ninth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, uh, they're going to be bought and paid for in the same way as uh, uh, as everybody in, in the local Silicon Valley area is. All right, you guys, thanks for being here. I've got a couple of shows coming out for you later this afternoon. Until then, let me uh, make sure that I went through all of the gold pills. Um, let's see. Just Duckies, thanks again. Shonanon says, what do we know about these judges and who has jurisdiction on this? Well, this is the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. It's already gone through the local court in California. Now we're at the regional court with the Court of Appeals. And then if that fails, then we go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, I don't know anything about these judges personally. Toria, thank you for that can. Uh, Thick Ray, thanks for that cookie. Filter Dog One, what's the name of the government group that actually talks to government? Came out in another case about election. What's the name of the government group that actually talks to the government? I'm not sure what that would be. And then Jack McMick, thank you for that cookie. All right, you guys, appreciate your help. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. Thanks for your support. Remember, we are still suing Google, and this thing has been very expensive. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars have gone towards this case since we got deleted, and uh, uh, many of those dollars are coming directly from your support. I know that Debbie is out there. Uh, she's passed out the link to donate. Um, it looks like we're probably getting them going to, to the Supreme Court after this, which means that it's going to take more money to get there. But everything is on the line at this point. Uh, hopefully, we get a resolution that's going to be favorable to us and we get our channels back and perhaps things will be different. I don't know, though. Uh, at this point, I'm happy with Rumble. I'm happy with the Foxhole. Uh, I'm happy to uh, be off of those uh, those nasty platforms. Uh, but, you know, I think that uh, it's all about uh, it, it's all about justice at the end of the day. And I want some justice, damn it. All right. Good luck, everyone. God bless. We'll see you tonight. Here comes the gold pills over on the foxhole. And the scratching has been released. We'll see you.